Hello, church. My name is Daniel, and we will now be reading today's passage in the scriptures from Exodus 13, 17 to 22. Please follow along in your own Bible or the screen. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. When Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. This is the reading of God's word. All right, well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to True North Church. Uh, For those that are visiting online or in person or new, um, my name is Jim, one of the pastors here, and uh, we're starting off this new year uh, by beginning a vision series on what to expect and where we're headed as a church in 2023. And uh, one of the things that um, I realized is uh, just the last two and a half, three years during the pandemic, a lot of things have changed. And I think a lot of things have uh, kind of guided and directed us uh, to act and to be a, a certain way uh, that was very uh, unique and new because of the fact that no one ever, you know, prepares for a pandemic, right? And uh, I, I, you know, that I was thinking about myself and just reflecting upon the church and reflecting upon myself in my own ministry. And I realized there were so many different things that uh, kind of changed within me. Uh, that I needed to address, I needed to process. And one of the things I realized was um, because of the pandemic, uh, I had become a social mutant. I, I didn't know how to relate to people. You know, um, what, you know like I, I, I was never really good at small talk, but I, I developed a habit and I developed uh, a kind of a good, um, I guess uh, I was better at small talk because of the very nature of my position. So, you know, previously, before the pandemic, you know, after service, I'd go out and I'd introduce myself, try to make people feel welcome. But because of the pandemic, the whole, uh, the narrative and the instructions were, hey, isolate, um, don't go near people, and uh, don't talk to people because you're going to spread germs. So it, it became uh, very difficult for me to even just step outside on, on Sunday service and then see people and, and try to relate and interact with people. You know, um, and not only that, you know, but everyone was wearing masks, so I, I didn't know who was who. You know, especially if they were visiting, like, I, I, I didn't know if they were new or if they were someone I, I was supposed to know, you know. And so, like, the social anxiety within me, it was very difficult for me to just, like, try to approach people, you know. And so, um, what ended up happening was right after Sunday, um, I would go out, I would see a bunch of masks or a bunch of people, and, and then, I, you know, I was like, didn't know, am I supposed to say hi? You know, like, what am I supposed to do? And then I was just running, get my kids and then go home, you know? And, and, and that felt a lot more comfortable for me, you know? And, and I realized that this development within me was, was not just unique to myself, but perhaps many of us have felt the same way as well. And because of this, um, the very nature and the very mission and vision of the church that we started had kind of shifted. Uh, we, we started True North with this idea and, and a vision to be a church that would uh, be really outreaching, uh, be a church that was really welcoming to those that are coming into the walls of the church, people who may not know who Jesus is or people who are uh, tentative to kind of step back into church. And so, you know, we were a church that was really uh, welcoming and really focused on the mission to make disciples of all nations. But um, slowly, and, and, and I think 
uh, for those, if you've started attending our church in the last year and a half or, or a year or six months, like it, it, it almost became like a, um, a place of, of, of like a, a social, you know, um, minds, you know, like you're, you're, you're trying to avoid all the, all the social interactions as much as possible. And so it became a place where you came to church on Sunday and then you left or you came to church and you only gravitated towards the people that you already knew or people that you uh, had relationships with. Because again, in the pandemic, it was this idea of staying within your pods, right? Uh, and, and just navigating this, uh, this uh, kind of this idea of like, well, are they people who are a little bit more conservative? Or do they want me to introduce myself? Do they want to stay away? Do they want to socially distance? You know, like, and, and then, you know, like, I, am I supposed to talk to their kids? Or maybe they're not vaccinated yet, so they'll feel uncomfortable if a stranger comes and says hi, you know? And like, there, there's so many different things that played out. And so with this, um, one of the things that I think was very prevalent within our church and perhaps maybe even other churches uh, in, in the world is that we really lost the, the focus and purpose of our mission. Uh, we became a church no longer focused on trying to um, reach out and, and, and welcome and make more disciples, but we became a church that was a lot more isolated, a lot more inward focused, uh, a church that became um, a little bit more comfortable and a place where you just come and you go. Um, so after, uh, you know, just kind of thinking about this and, and thinking about some of the reasons why our, our vision and our mission became so sidetracked, uh, you know, Pastor Eugene kind of, uh, uh, took, you know, showed me um, uh, kind of like this picture and, and this, um, uh, this talk uh, from a pastor named John Tyson as he was describing a kind of a, a reclaiming of his vision at his church. And so he kind of showed this, uh, this new paradigm, or not a new paradigm, but uh, a paradigm of what a church should be focusing on. And there's going to be a picture um, that we're going to be putting up on the slide right behind me. And this is from um, his church and his vision talk. And uh, I don't know if you guys are able to see everything, but when it comes to church, uh, the goal and desire of a church that is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we would be uh, disciples that create more disciples, right? Uh, and, and his words is a compelling missional disciple. Okay? And in order for us to, uh, to raise up a compelling missional disciple, you need to have these three uh, goals or three purposes in the church. And that's one is presence with basically the presence of God, seeking after God's presence, understanding what it means uh, to live in the presence of God, especially presence in, in a Sunday worship setting. Uh, second is formation, the desire to be transformed into like, uh, the likeness of Christ, uh, seeking uh, a sanctification in our lives through, through prayer, through the study of God's word, through fellowship. And third is, is mission, right? What it means to, to be uh, sacrificial in seeking and going out uh, to, to evangelize and to raise up more disciples. Um, and he has this thing, and I think it's very, very cool, where it says, if you have only two of those things, what you end up having is, uh, so if you have presence, and if you have mission, but no formation, what you create is shallow servants. And, and I realized that uh, during the pandemic, that in the beginning of our church, because we were a church plant, we were new, um, we were heavily focused on presence and mission. Uh, and but the reality was was that we created a lot of shallow servants, servants without depth, servants without uh, maturity and 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 a, and a really grasp of uh, God's word. And and I think that was made evident because during the pandemic, a lot of people left, um, and a lot of people. And I'm not talking about the people who left because they went back to the East Coast or whatever. Um, people, some people just stopped coming to church because church was no longer uh, something that they needed or was required of them. Um, and because of that, our shift. Uh, during the pandemic was really on the presence of God and formation of our souls. 
And when you only have those two, what ends up happening is that you create Christians who are spiritually selfish. And I think this is uh, we're kind of where we're at. And I know, like, who likes being called spiritually selfish? But I, I really believe that this is really the, uh, the indication or um, the diagnosis of where we're at as a church today. And just even in our own personal spiritual lives, if you're a Christian, we have been uh, uh, kind of moved towards this direction where we need to grow and, and, and be mature in our spiritual walks. Uh, but we have neglected this idea of what it means to be missional. To, to reach out, to evangelize, to, to live in community with people outside this walls because of the fact that we're called to isolate. And, and so um, now we really want to kind of reclaim um, the, the vision of our church, which is to point the Bay Area to the true north of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be missional, but not to f uh, focus only on mission, but we want to be a church that is balanced and biblically based on focusing on all three aspects of what is required to create healthy, missional disciples, that when all three, the presence of God, the formation into Christ-likeness, and, and to be on mission is something that is clearly communicated, clearly identified, and, 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 and that we together as a church are collectively heading towards those goals that we would hopefully create healthy disciples who seek the presence of God in worship, who seek transformation into Christ-likeness through his word, through prayer, through fellowship, and that we would also be sacrificial in our desire to be missional, to share, evangelize, to, to teach and, and the gospel, and to live lives that are not just focused on our own inreach and our own programming, but that we are focused on our community, our coworkers, our family members. And so throughout this next month, or this month, in the next four weeks, what we really want to do is talk about each of these circles and what that should look like coming from Scripture and how that was going to look like as we move forward together as a church in 2023. And so today what we're going to do is talk about just a broad overview of this idea of presence, formation, and mission. And how both, uh, how in Scripture, it's really, um, you know, God really has this parameter and this paradigm for all believers. That to be a fully formed disciple of Jesus is where we understand and we desire and we seek the presence of God in our lives, even when it is uncomfortable. That we are people who seek after transformation to become more and more like Christ in all aspects of our life. But also that we are disciples who seek to, desire, uh, to make more disciples. So as we read today in uh, our uh, passage in Exodus, uh, we're going to look at three, three, those three circles, the presence of God, formation to Christ-likeness, and to be on mission. So the first point is the presence of God. Right? And the story of Exodus, uh, if you are unfamiliar with this story, hopefully throughout the sermon you will kind of get little uh, bits and pieces of it. Uh, but the story of Exodus is really a metaphor uh, for our journey as Christians living in this world. Right? Just as God delivered the people of Israel out of slavery from the land of Egypt and led them to the promised land, uh, we are people who are delivered from the spiritual bondage of sin and slavery to sin, and we are being led to the promised land of heaven. And I think when we read this passage, it is very easy for us um, to kind of really see the most important aspect of this story. And that question or that aspect is the distinction between the people of Israel and the Gentile nations. What is the main thing that differentiates the people of Israel from the other nations? And the main difference 
is the presence of God with the nation of Israel. Now, throughout, if you've you know, been to Sunday school or if you grew up in church, you know that the, there's nothing special about the people of Israel, right? They're the smallest nation. Uh, it's not even that they're all that holy. They're always, you know, falling short to God's standards. They're always questioning him. Um, it, but it's really based on God's grace that his presence and his promise resides with this people. And the main difference is not their morality, it's not their customs, it's not their ethnicity. The main difference is that God chose them to be his people and he graciously allows his presence to be among them. And the very first thing that we see in the passage that we read uh, is really that he is miraculously in their presence as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. Now, just imagine just um, how glory, like, I can't even imagine what that would look like, right? A, a pillar of cloud in the middle of the wilderness leading millions of people through the wilderness. And then at night becomes a pillar of cloud. I don't know, I don't know if it transforms into a pillar of cloud or if like the pillar of, you know, if it, one goes away and the new one comes. I, I don't know how it looks, but it, it, must, it must look magnificent. Right. Uh, and, and to imagine God's presence directly with the people of God is, is really what distinguishes them from all other nations. And in that same way, us gathering here on Sunday it is not just about uh, um, creating a habit. It's not just so that we can see some of our friends that we haven't seen throughout the week. It's not because we want our children to, to uh, you know, uh, learn some, something from Sunday school. If you are a believer and you are entering into any form of worship on Sunday or, or any other time, what we are really seeking after and what we're really asking is that God would allow us to come into his presence through the mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That this very moment, as we are sitting and, and here together as a body of Christ, as a body of believers, that we are in the presence of the Almighty God. We may not see a pillar of cloud right before us. We may not see a pillar of fire in front of us, but his spirit is here. And the question is, is when you come, are you desiring God's presence to be with you? Do you come hoping to be entertained? hoping to just kind of check off the, the list of, okay, I went to church this Sunday. Do you come out of habit or do you prepare yourself every morning on Sunday to come knowing that you will be in the presence of the God of the universe? And I think the very foundation of being a disciple, a fully formed disciple, is that this presence of God is something that is our top priority. That we are not different from anyone else, that we are not more moral, that we are not more skilled, that we are not more worthy to be saved, but that God graciously gives his presence to us. Now, imagine if you're the Israelites and um, you're traveling in the wilderness for 40 years and you see this pillar of cloud every day and this pillar of fire every night. Um, no matter how marvelous it is, it can get kind of stale, right? I mean, if you see it long enough, you're like, oh, there's the pillar. Yeah, you just kind of expect it, right? And I believe that a lot of us, we have this same feeling as well, that we are so used to this almost monotonous motion of weekly coming to church, 
listening to songs, maybe singing along and, and hearing me or someone else talk for hopefully 30 minutes, 35 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes. And you're just like, what, what is this? What is this? And for us, every single time we come together, we must strive to seek after God's presence, really reorient our hearts saying like, we are not here just in a regular auditorium, but God has called us to be in his presence, to worship him, to fellowship with him, to hear his word, to be challenged, to be moved, not just for our own entertainment, but for a purpose and a mission to glorify him and to share him and, and the gospel message of Jesus to those around us. I also believe, uh, leading up to our second point, is that when we understand the presence of God in our midst, in our lives, um, that we will be formed into Christ-likeness. Now, when the presence of God is in our midst, um, we'll be formed into his likeness as he guides and directs us. Right? Uh, the, the, I mean, God, he led the people of Israel out of slavery uh, and, and delivered them uh, into the promised land, right? And, and I think one of the things that we really have to kind of think about is God's deliverance uh, it was not just a one-time thing. He didn't just save the people of Israel out of Egypt and say, all right, guys, you're on your own. Um, just head that way. That's the promised land, and uh, I'll see you there. No, he stays with them in his presence. But not only that, he understood that the most important thing for the people of Israel at this time was not a, a hurried advancement towards the goal, but that it will be a slow journey as he desires to sanctify them and, and transform them more and more into his likeness. Now, I can't imagine um, a two-week journey turning into a 40-year journey, right? But God had a purpose for this. He says, when the people, in verse 17, when Pharaoh led the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. He's, he's basically saying he's not going to lead them towards the shortest route because he knows that they're not ready for it. And there's so many things in them that he needs to change, that he needs to mine out, that he needs to expose, and so many things that they need to change and transform. Because if, if he led them to the fastest route, what did he say? They're going to change their minds and they're going to go back to where they came from. So instead, he leads them in this roundabout way. And the goal and purpose of this is so that they are sanctified and that, uh, that, that their sins are exposed, that they are able to understand what it means to actually follow God and trust in him in all things. The people of Israel, uh, as they go along this journey, we, we really see how much they needed this sanctification process. We see as a people collectively uh, that they were so far from being like God. Right. Um, for 400, 400 plus years, they have been indoctrinated by the culture of Egypt. They have been indoctrinated by their religion, by their gods. They have uh, come to a way of life that was so far from, from Yahweh that it required 40 plus years of them wandering the wilderness for them to understand what, who God is and, and how they need to be transformed by him. When we think about the people of Israel wandering in the desert, uh, we see not just the people who are going through a lot of trials, but we see miraculously that God in his presence is changing and transforming them to be his people. 
to understand what it means to follow after his commandments, to understand what it means to let go of idols, to understand what it means to trust in him even through the discomfort. Uh, and, and, you know, like these are people who are constantly complaining, right? Uh, I mean, they, they, they're in the wilderness and then God provides miraculously manna from heaven. And it's described as something that tastes like honey wafers. I don't know about you guys. Have you guys ever eaten those little uh, European honey wafers? It's just delicious, right? It's delicious. And I just imagine manna to be like way better than that. And then the moment they have too much of it, they're like, where's, where's my meat? I need some meat. And they were, they were ready to go back into slavery over meat. You know what I mean? Like, because they wanted something, some protein. And, and God, if I was God, I'd be like, all right, see you guys later, man. You know? But he graciously provides them with, with meat. This is how immature the people of Israel were. And in many ways, again, it's a metaphor for our own spiritual journeys. We are the same way. We are people who need the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in us. And that only happens not from uh, just mitosis. Is that mitosis? Is that, I think that's the wrong word. Yeah, osmosis. Yeah, osmosis, we're just like, you're just like, oh, I'm changing. No, no, no. It takes an active pursuit on our part, seeking the will of God through his word, seeking his presence in prayer, seeking fellowship with one another, holding each other accountable so that we become more and more like Christ. But unfortunately, I think a lot of times um, we are far from that desire. We are far from his presence. You know, I, I imagine that, I, I mean, I don't know. I just imagine some Israelites during this time after about, you know, 20 years are like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm just going to go my own way, right? Uh, but God's glory, his light it, it is so magnificent that even if they were not with all the Israelites, I'm sure some of them still saw God's light and they thought that that was enough that they thought, oh, that's good enough for me. And I think in many ways, so, some of us, we are away from the presence of God in our, in our hearts and our spirits, but because we are, you know, kind of, we still see the light of God in the distance, we think that we're okay, but we're not. We need to seek the formation of our souls into Christ-likeness in all things. Now, but at the same time, I do believe that as we seek formation, if, if there's no outlet or how that formation and, and, and desire to become in Christ-likeness, there's no outlet to serve and to be missional, um, then we just become very inward-focused. We become people who become very selfish and desire only things for ourselves. Um, there, I, I, there's a sense of a frustration that I feel uh, from our church and from our church members, uh, especially as we're moving forward. And I really believe the reason why is because we have lost focus on what it means to be missional, to seek uh, the, the well-being of our community, to seek and to prepare ourselves to be people who are evangelists, people who will share our faith with the people around us. Now, there's different ways that we can describe that, um, but, and I believe that that frustration is there because ultimately, when we're only focused on our own formation, then we become very selfish. And oftentimes, what I realize, and what I am realizing, is that when this desire to become more and more like Christ is not without an outlet, 
we become more isolated, we become more self-righteous, we become a, a lot more difficult to relate to the people around us, and then we become a church um, that is just on an island. And that is not our goal. That is not our mission. And that leads us to our, our final point. Our, what is our mission? What, what is, and why is a mission important? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I can't imagine a journey that's supposed to take two weeks lasting 40 years, right? Uh, the reason why I hate traffic is because a journey should take a certain time, but traffic makes it a lot longer. Uh, my family lives down in Southern California, so during uh, you know, holidays, we try to go down there, um, but I hate driving during like main peak holiday times because a six-hour drive ends up being nine hours, 10 hours. So what I do is I leave like during times when I know that no one else can be on the road. So I'll, we'll visit home and then um, Christmas morning, we're leaving, you know, because I know no one's driving during Christmas morning, you know, or New Year's Day, I I'm out of there, you know. So there have been times when I've gotten to the Bay Area in like five hours because there's like, there's no one on the road. I'm like, yeah, I feel so good, right? And if there's rain and then it's going to be kind of snowing on the grapevine, I don't go. I ain't getting stuck in that, right? There have been times when I, I've, I've driven down and then Waze tells me, oh, get off here, like off Lancaster and go all the way around. I'm, not, I'm like, I'm not taking that detour. And then I, I didn't listen to it and I got stuck because of, of a huge accident. It took me like, you know, eight hours to get home. It, it, that's the worst feeling. And some of you guys who travel during the holidays and flew Southwest, you guys experienced that as well, right? You guys probably stayed in places a lot longer than you had expected. Now, I've told this story before. Uh, but me and my wife, after we got married, uh, one month later, uh, we went on a mission trip with my church to the, uh, to the Amazon jungle in Brazil. And we were on this boat in the river, and then the missionary said, hey, the, this boat is too big for us to move forward because there's rapids and rocks. We have to get out onto smaller boats and um, you know, head over to the village that we're going to. And I said, oh, how long is that going to take? He's like, oh, it'll take five hours. You know, and then so he brought his you know, nice speedboat with a 350 horsepower motor, and I was like ready to get on. He's like, oh, no, no, that's not for you. That's for VIPs, you know, so him and like other more important people went on that boat. And then he's like, and I was like, oh, where's our, our boat? And he's like, oh, there's your boat. And it was a canoe. Like, um, and it was, you know, a, a canoe that was like dug out by natives. It was, I mean, it was, a, it was an awesome canoe. Um, it was a long canoe, probably could fit about, you know, 12 to 15 people comfortably. But we put about, you know, 30 people there. And then, um, and then I looked at the motor and it was a 50 horsepower motor. I was like, shouldn't we switch motors? And he's like, no, no, we're fine. And I was like, are you sure it's going to take five hours? And then we get, you know, we get on that canoe, and then uh, we're going up against the river. So for the first hour, I felt like we were just staying in place. You know, we're just like in, in the same place. Anyways, but we're all excited, and the journey's beginning. We're like, oh, only five hours away, you know, um, only two hours longer than, you know, Gilligan's journey. And then we're, we're going, and then uh, five hours later, we're like, oh, we're still not there. We're still going. And then seven hours. And I asked, I asked a seminary student who was driving the, the, the boat, I was like, oh, how much longer? And he's like, oh, two more hours, you know, two more hours. And we were all excited. And then soon, we're on hour 12, we were no longer excited. We're like, what's going on? In the beginning of that journey, we were very focused on the goal and the purpose. We were going to go to this remote village. We we're going to do vacation Bible study for the kids. We we're going to share the gospel. Uh, they were going to do some dental work for the, the dentists that were there, some medical uh, work for the uh, doctors that were there. We were all excited. By, by hour 12, the only thing that we, were cared, uh, we cared about was our survival because there was a leak in the canoe. 
And so we were all just having to, you know, leak, you know, just shovel water out of the canoe, right? And then, um, you know, you're in the middle of the jungle right by the equator, so you would think it's hot until, like, you're, it's pouring rain. And then we were, like, some of us were, like, on the verge of hypothermia. And I know this because one guy was like, hey, I watched Batman Begins, and he says, in the cold, you got to warm your body, not your arms. you got to warm the vital organs. You know, that's the only way you can survive, and we are all doing that. And, 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 you know, the missionary speedboat came down, and we're like, oh, we're saved. He's going to take us back. But he just took supplies and bounced, right? And so 18 hours later, we finally got to our destination. But I just remember thinking that at that time, uh, we had lost focus on the purpose and the goal because we only cared about our own survival. That's really where our church was at. During the pandemic, we, the main priority was, can we survive as a church? Can, can we make it through this pandemic? And what we lost focus on was the very mission in which we started this church with, that we want to be a light in a place where the gospel of Jesus can shine brightly. Now, for the people of Israel... Imagine traveling 40 years to the promised land. What was there to remind them of the vision and mission that, and the purpose that God had for them? Well, verse 19, it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. If you guys don't know who Joseph is in, in the Old Testament, uh, Joseph is, is one of the sons of Jacob. He is the one that is sold into slavery. He becomes so, uh, uh, you know, politically, you know, powerful to the point where he is the second most powerful man in, in the entire world, only next to Pharaoh. Uh, through him and the visions that he got in dreams, he was able to thwart a famine that was coming in the land. And because of that, he brought all his family into the land of Egypt. And that's where they started multiplying and thriving. And now millions of people, uh, of people in Egypt were now Israelites. It all started with Joseph. But Joseph understood and knew the promise that God had made with Abraham, that he would provide him with the land, the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. And he knew that his final destination would not be Egypt. So toward the, the nearing of his death, he made them promise that his bones would not be buried in the land, in the foreign land of Egypt but that his bones will be taken back to the promised land and buried there. So now when the Egyptians and the Israelites had their conflict and the people of Israel were led out of and delivered from slavery, what did they take with them? They took with them the bones of Joseph. And throughout that journey in the wilderness, every time they looked upon, I don't know if his bones were down in the open, probably in a box, right? Every time they looked upon the bones of Joseph, they're reminded of the purpose and mission of why they're wandering. That they're headed towards a land that was promised to them by God. That they're headed to a better place. That they're headed to a place where the covenant of God can be fulfilled in the land of Canaan. So even in the midst of their wandering, even in the midst of their complaints, even in the midst of the times when they only want to be selfish and focus on themselves, there was always a reminder for them of the greater purpose of their journey. And in that same way, we must constantly remind ourselves, well, what is the purpose and, and mission of our journey here in this life as Christians? And we see that in 
the New Testament, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, it's the Great Commission. The, the last command that Jesus gives to his people before he ascends into heaven. And it's really just the, the three circles that we talked about. It says, as Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What, what, what is the mission here? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How? Through formation baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And what is the promise? The presence of God. And behold, I will be with you to the end of the age. In order for us to reclaim not just the vision and mission of our church, but for us to reclaim the vision and mission and purpose of the gospel, we must focus on all three of those areas. And understand that as we move forward, that we together will hopefully move towards reclaiming that vision, move towards reclaiming that purpose, that we would be a church not only focused on ourselves, but that we would want to step out of our comfort zones, seek the presence of God, desire to become more and more like Christ, with a sacrificial mission to share the gospel with those around us. So throughout the next three weeks, we're going to really talk about those three areas and, and what that's going to look like here at our church. Now, do we have all the answers right now? No, we don't. Do we hope that together as a church that we will be able to head towards those solutions and answers? I hope so. So the next three weeks as we continue on our vision series, I hope that you will be able to prepare your hearts and that you would also be able to uh, uh, just process with me what it means for us to be a church that is sacrificial, on mission, seeking to make disciples of all nations. Now we're going to continue on in our service with um, the Lord's Supper.